You can catch me later in the morning Out with my whole team, we drank our ass off I'ma be the one that's chillin', sittin' cozy With the OG vintage snapback on You can catch me later in the morning Out with my whole team, we drank our ass off I'ma be the one that's chillin', sittin' cozy With the OG vintage snapback on Welcome to the fourth episode of Snapbacks and Mimosas. I'm your host, Adenosa Erge, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Charlotte, no, North Carolina's finest. I was going to say Charlotte because <laughs> I'm wearing the Harness, but North Carolina's <laughs> finest. <laughs> and I, I, went, I have a, a big guest, major guest, known this man since middle school, since I, when I moved over here from North Carolina. Um, it's Raphael. How you doing, Raphael? What's going on, man? I'm I'm glad to be on. Uh, I was excited to get my chance and be on the be on the pod, man. So um, I appreciate you for having me. Hell yeah, man! And I know you used to live out here in Texas. Yeah. You know, you just current you just recently moved over there to the West Coast. You know, yeah. West Coast. And hey. uh, how's it how's it over there? Man, it, it's been good. Um, like you said, um, I've lived in Texas all my life. Um, I was most recently living in Dallas for like the past. Um, like four or five years. And then um, I recently got a job with Google um, right around kind of the holidays of last year. I, I, I left Texas for Google. So now I'm in Southern California. So I live in Orange County. So like about 20, 30 minutes outside of LA. Um, so it's, it's dope, man. The, the weather's good. Lots of uh, beautiful places, beautiful people. So I can't complain. <laughs> That's great, man. That's great. It's crazy too, man, because like I, I remember just seeing you move out there and I was just like, dang, that's a, that's a major move. I mean, just cause I mean, staying in Texas for so long, like you get, you can get like, like complacent and just like yeah. staying, staying home. Cause home, like, I don't know, it's just something about that connection, but yeah. taking that major, that major leap and going outside the state. I mean, and Cali is dope. Like, it's not like you left for like Nebraska. <laughs> no, if, you're from, if you're from Nebraska, you try to talk shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, shout out to just, all the people in, in Nebraska, but yeah, you know? no, Cali's a little different. Yeah, a little different. So yeah, man, that's respect. And um, yeah. I see you wanted to pop your uh, pop your bottle on, on camera. I'm gonna yeah, give you a man, chance I, to do so. I mean, hey, when you told me that it's, we gotta have our our mimosas, I was excited to get the bottle popped. I mean. I got my got my drink right here. Yeah. It's not it's not the you know classic orange juice. It's a little pineapple mango juice. A little hey, different. Hey, you stun on them. This is just a classic <laughs> OJ. I need to step my game up. This is the second time in two weeks someone just switched the flavor on me. No, nah, I mean but shout I'm out cool to my with it. shout out to my girl. She she got me on got me out here drinking different little upgraded juice. Yeah, yeah, I feel it. I feel it. Let me um. Well, yeah, man. Let me let me see if I can pop this without without breaking anything. <laughs> That's the scariest part, man, because I, exactly. I can't go outside to pop mine. I got to, <laughs> like, suppress it a little bit. <laughs> exactly. So let's see if we can get this, get the pop. Get the party started, man. Exactly. Man. Woo! Oh, there we go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there we go. Shoot, I was worried we were going to have to edit that out or something. Right? <laughs> <laughs> One take. Yeah. Yeah, man. Pour up a little something. Yes, sir. Go. Got my drink ready. 
You know, the party don't stop until you, until you cheers to the mimosas, man. You know? Yeah, man. I'm hey, cheering, thanks bro. Thanks for coming on, man, for sure. Oh, that's good right there. I, I need to get honestly, one of those. I, without... Go ahead. I haven't had a, I haven't had a mimosa in a minute, man. It's like since I, since all this started, you know, yeah, I, I haven't yeah. gotten the, that usual brunch. <laughs> exact same, dude. And now it's like, I don't know if I'm going to get tired of a mimosa, but I feel like I can't. <laughs> I kind of like married myself to the game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so yeah. yeah, you can just keep switching up your juices, switching exactly. up the, the bubbly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This is actually a new bubble. I usually stay with the Andre, but I don't know what mm. this is. It's like tots or something. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't even know Uber, what I'm drinking right now. Uber it over here. Yeah, this is a, a barefoot bubbly Moscato. Oh, I didn't so. know. I didn't know That's... barefoot made champagne. <laughs> yeah, All man. I know. Is, the ladies love the wine, though. So, exactly. <laughs> you know, but that's cool, man. So, uh, I want to start and just talk about, you know, growing up with each other, in middle school to high school, and touch about yeah. a little bit how you were in, in college, and we just go from there. I'm gonna start this yeah. one story, dude. I remember eighth grade. We were, uh, <laughs> we were. Well, you were on C team, eighth grade basketball team. Uh, yeah, I tried out, but they 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 stopped me hella early. They're like, "No, you should just <laughs> you want to be you want to be the CT Mandarin." I was just like, I was pissed, but like whatever. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I said, "Yeah," I was like, "Yeah, I'll do the I'll be the fucking manager because I honestly I just want to get out the house." Yeah, bro, you telling me <laughs> right, right? And so, I mean, especially growing up Nigerian. Yeah, man. You, you, Nigerian yeah, parents yeah. trying to keep you in the house it for every, in the house, any reason. Every, any any reason, reason so I was like, let me get out the house. And I was like, I mean, I guess. I didn't really do much, but just sit on the bench. Like, Hey, man, I was on the team sitting on the bench. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nah, that's, that's crazy times, man. Yeah, crazy man. times. So, and then, I mean, that's like the only memory I got from like middle school. It was only it was it was short because I only was I was only there since from eighth, eighth grade. Yeah. And then um, I just high school is crazy, and, and like the major thing was the birthday crew. Yeah, man. Yeah, remember that man? The that's, birthday that's crew. That's crazy. Nah, the birthday. <laughs> it's so funny. I think about it. I'm like, I don't even remember who exactly started like the birthday crew, but it was just one of those things where like all of us were at. The, we all had the same lunch together. And it just became a thing where I feel like it was someone said one day, like it was someone's birthday. And then we all just got together and went over to like start singing happy birthday. And it just became a thing. And it's like, (laughs) it's just, it's crazy to even think about. It's so funny that you remember that. Like, that's one of those memories that it's like, you forget about and then someone brings it up and you're like, oh shit, like that's, oh, can we curse on the pod? I don't even know. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Definitely get curse on the pod. (laughs) So it's like, it's just one of those things that like, you know, for, I guess for all the listeners, like the birthday crew, it was, you know, we all had like a, a dope crew where we would all just kind of get together during lunch and somebody would tell us, oh, it's this person's birthday. And then we would surround that table where they ate lunch and we would just all start singing bir- yeah. happy birthday. And it's just so funny to think all the people who joined in and just how- Yeah. Crazy. Sometimes it wasn't, it wasn't even their birthday though. We just like- <laughs> <laughs> as, as hella true. 
That's hella true. We just went up to the table, whoever it was, and just like started singing happy birthday. And then the whole cafeteria just like breaks out happy birthday. Yeah, man. That, that was the dopest part. Just all the people who just kind of joined into it yeah, and just yeah. started like singing. But it's it's one of those cool things. Like people hear like a happy birthday song and they just you gotta join it. Like you don't like, join you it. don't you don't ask whose birthday it is. You're just like, yeah. oh, okay, well we know how it goes. Like we know we exactly. know the routine. Everyone starts singing. We're gonna clap at the end. You know exactly. Hit them with a cha cha cha. Yeah, cha cha cha. It was man. great, man. It was great. And I just wanna. So no, you went to Texas Tech, right? Yeah. And how was that transition from, because, I mean, Cyprus is, is a small town, but not really small. You really, I would say it's kind of bigger than Lubbock, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it's definitely, definitely bigger than Lubbock in a sense, because you, you're, I mean, you're really a suburb of Houston. So it's like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people um, who work in Houston and whatnot um, that live in like the Cyprus, Katy area and whatnot. So in many ways, definitely bigger than Lubbock. I think Lubbock's population is probably like 300,000. And that's if you kind of include like the, the sur- yeah. surrounding areas. Like I can't even call it a metroplex really because yeah, it's just like yeah. all of the surrounding areas <laughs> around Lubbock is probably 300,000 plus the campus and whatnot. So um, Lubbock, definitely, definitely a lot smaller. Um, but I guess to answer your question on like the, the transition, you know, it's funny, like, um, you know, I get the question sometimes, like, how did you choose Texas Tech? And like, mm-hmm. were you prepared to move out to Lubbock? And the reality was that like, I had never actually even visited Lubbock or Tech before I decided to go. Like, <clears throat> I had gotten a, I got a scholarship and it was just kind of one of those things that was like, they're going to cut the check. So I was yeah, like, that's they, where I'm going to school. Yeah, like, f- facts. Uh, like the legit the first time I had ever been to Lubbock was for orientation and funny enough like um me being the procrastinator that I am so I I didn't sign up for orientation on time and it's like so it was like I went to an orientation like I think school started like whatever it was like August 23rd yeah my orientation was like August 15th or something like that. So, so like, week before, did you even go back home? You must just move your shit all the way up dude, there. That, just... Exactly. That was the worst part. My dad was so mad at me because it was like, <laughs> it's like we drove all, and Lubbock from Houston, for anyone who doesn't know, that's like eight or nine hours drive. So yeah. it's like we drove up there for orientation. And like the week before orientation, I tried to call and say, hey, can I just move in during orientation? They're like, no, you have to come like, like um, I think let's say school started the 23rd, like you had to be on the 20th to move in yeah, or something. Yeah. So I'm there on the 15th for orientation. And my dad's so mad. He's like, we got to do this whole drive again. <laughs> and he got to go all the way back. Like exactly, by himself. <laughs> so it was just uh, like, it was a, it was a whole deal. And that first drive there was just kind of, it was rough. Cause my dad was like, you got to get used to being able to drive there. So he was like, you're going to drive this whole yeah, thing. And that was like, yeah. that eight hours was the longest I had ever like driven myself. So it was, mm-hmm. it was rough, man. But, um, um, but yeah, the, the transition into Lubbock, uh, it turned out really dope, man. Like one of the things I think people think about Lubbock and, and Texas Tech as a whole, being out in West Texas, they think mm-hmm. oil and gas, farmland. But tech is just so cool because to be honest, it's like it's way more diverse than people imagine. I think people kind of think of it as just it's going to be a lot of um, whatever you imagine is kind of like the farmland, yeah, West Texas yeah. kind of vision. But it's super diverse. Lots of different people. What is that? What is that? Uh, uh the dust, like, what do you call it? Oh, those? yeah, like, the dust storms. and The like, dust storms and the fucking... Uh, the dust storms are a real thing weeds. out there. Yeah, and tumbleweeds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, like, all, that's what I imagine. 
<laughs> all that is real, man. Like I could tell you a funny story. This is probably like my sophomore, junior year. Um, I think it was like my junior year and I was living in this apartment that was like, it was like a five minute walk from campus. But mm -hmm. um, so I'm on campus, get done with class. And then like, it starts to get dark. And it's like, you can see like one side of the, the like of your view, the sky is like bright, regular sunny day. And then the second half is starting to get dark, but it's not dark like like the clouds of rain. It's like a, like a wall of like, like brown is coming. Yeah. Wow. And you okay. just start. <sighs> you got to get inside. Yeah, yeah. As yeah. fast as you can. Because when it comes through, I mean, it's like, I don't know, one of those movies of like the Sahara or something, because it's just everything goes dark. There's sand everywhere. You're just like trying to cover yeah. up and just make it through. So, yeah. It's, so uh, I got asked, but I would have died, bro. Oh, to take me down. I ain't doing shit. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. No, nah, it, it's definitely moments like that in Lubbock that you're like, wait, did I make the right choice? But yeah. <laughs> like, but once you get used to it, it, it's such a dope place to be, man. And like, it's it's a fun school, real real cool place. It's funny because, I I mean, I had three options. Going to college was U of H, it was Colorado, and it was it was also it was also Texas Tech. But I never took the trip to Tech. Or the trip to Colorado because as soon as I went to U of H campus, I'm like, yeah, this is this I'm, yeah. I'm staying here. Like this is what I want to do, but yeah. like I was this close because it was giving me some money too. But like yeah, I was man. like, dang, that drive is crazy. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, no, I, I feel like I feel like it's one of those things. Like you know, if you would have went and visited, Tech would have stole you too, right? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Did get but it a looks chance. like you had a had a dope time at U of H, man. I mean, it, it was probably, uh, I would say, not probably, it was definitely the best decision of my life, staying close to home and, and going. It, 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 was, it was just far enough for my mama not to come. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the, exactly. Like, but it's, it's close enough for me to go back home. But for exactly. her, she's like, especially Nigerian parents, they are not about to waste no time to come yeah. down to downtown Houston for what? Like, no. <laughs> so, like, she did not check up on me or anything. Like, yeah, it was perfect. Yeah, yeah, that's what's up. Nah, that, that that right there was a big factor into my decision to go into tech too. Is just thinking like, I mean, if I go out to Lubbock, there's no way in the world my parents are coming down there to get me. No, no, I can live. <laughs> um, yeah, and then when did, as soon as you graduated from tech, did you just move straight to Dallas to start your career? Yeah, man. So um, you know, when I was in college, the last summer before um, I graduated. I actually did an internship in Dallas with um, with Frito-Lay. And that was like the first time I had really spent any kind of extended period of time in Dallas. Like before that, it was like random, like, you know, you visit your parents, mm -hmm. know someone, blah, blah, blah. But, um, but I had never spent much time in Dallas. And um, so I did an internship in Dallas um, and my, my girlfriend at the time, now my fiance, um, her dad let me stay at his place for the summer while I was doing my internship. So um, so I stayed there, got a feel for Dallas, got a chance to see the bars and kind of like, you know, the whole scene there. And then um, it kind of just worked out. Like when I came back from my, my senior year and everything, um, I was interviewing with different companies and I was really close to going like totally just out of Texas and just going to other places. And then um, got a really cool opportunity with this company called Saber. They're a software company in the travel space and, um, and they're based in the Dallas area. So it was just kind of a good fit and, um, and I already felt familiar with Dallas. So yeah, I was just graduated and then um, packed everything and I just went straight to, straight to Dallas. Cool, and for the listeners, 
you tell them what you do or what you did. Yeah. Yeah. Saber. yeah. No, I appreciate it. Um, so while, okay. So going back a little bit, I went to school for, um, for civil engineering. Um, mm -hmm. that's like what my, my degree is in and then have like minors and some other stuff. Um, but I, I got my degree in engineering and of course, like I, I decided like I'm, I wasn't going to do any yeah. civil engineering. <laughs> um, so I go. Yeah, exactly how it goes. Um, and, uh, so during college I had been kind of in the tech scene, just like working on some startup stuff. Um, like my, the first company I started in college was a, um, I had a, like a hardware kind of. Uh, startup and essentially like a wearable startup. We had these shirts that would light up to the sound of your voice. And I um, seeing those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it was yeah. like my that was like my hustle for a minute. And um <laughs> I was like pushing that. And me and my buddies, we had like kind of worked on the technology. We got some like manufacturing in China. We were like we were really pushing that for a minute. So that was like what got me into the tech scene. So even though I was going to school for engineering, um, I kind of, and for specifically like civil engineering, and I had like minors in petroleum and mechanical, which are still not related to like any yeah, of the software, yeah. hardware stuff. Um, so I was doing that on the side, like all of this stuff. And I was working with some other friends who make like mobile apps and all that. So that really got me into kind of the tech space. So by the time it came to my senior year, I knew for a fact, like I was going to go into, um, go into some kind of tech company. Mm -hmm. And, um, so Sabre, really cool company. Um, uh, they're a large software provider for the travel space. So they make like American airlines software, um, what like Hilton, Marriott, every cruise ship. So like even like when you're on a plane and you like buy a drink on a plane, a lot of that software is even Sabre software. Mm -hmm. So my role going into it, I had a really cool opportunity to do a rotational program with them, but most of it was pretty much centered around um, like kind of getting to know the technology space and, um, and it led me into product management. So um, product management is essentially like a, you know, it sounds like you like a management, like a kind of leadership role, but um, it's one of those kind of funny roles where I'm not really in charge of anyone, I'm more just in charge of the product. Mm -hmm. um, so really just kind of a career where you're helping to lead kind of the vision and the roadmap of a software or a hardware product. So I got really, really lucky with the opportunity at Sabre. Um, it, was, it was dope, like my first like three months of being there, um, I got assigned to this project for one of our clients who's effectively like the Expedia of Europe. And they were like, hey, would you be down to go to Europe um, for like two or three weeks and um, and do this kind of consulting thing on some of the software that we have for them? And I was like, like hell yeah. yeah sign me up. I'm <laughs> out of here. <laughs> Let's go. So, um, so yeah, it was just, it was a really kind of just dope situation. Got to go out to, I was in Belgium and uh, the Netherlands. So got a chance to kind of bounce around, landed in London too. And just, it was really cool to get a chance to, to do some of that. And then also kind of get into the technology scene through mm -hmm. that. Um, so I was with Sabre for a couple of years before I, before I moved on from there. It's funny because I went to, I went to college for political science hey. and the whole plan was, you're going to be a lawyer and you're going to go to law school. You're going to do all that thing. And I ended up not doing any of that. Obviously yeah. I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I sell technology, so I don't, I don't produce it, but yeah. the way that you're talking about being a project manager is pretty much how I am. But in terms of managing, uh, I would say a relationship between one, the reseller and the company that I, I work for, yeah. So 
in and up in tech, like, like, first of all, when you're in school in terms of like elementary and, and middle school, no one says that technology is an option that you yeah. can take, you know, to make good money. It's not like, it's not like yeah. you're, essentially, especially if you're, if you're an African, you're, you're, you're told lawyer, <laughs> doctor, everything else is a fail pretty much. Like that's yeah. what, it, that's what it is. And going into technology, that was probably like the, the hardest discussion I had to have with my dad, my mom, yeah. not so much. My mom was just happy that I got a job, but like my <laughs> dad, he, my dad still has the vision of me going to law school. Like that's, that's <laughs> even though I'm telling him like, dude, I can make more money with less stress being in technology yeah. right now. It exactly. doesn't have that, like that title. Yep. You know, it's all about a title though. Like that's the thing. Exactly. It's, a, it's a title thing. And yeah. yeah, I mean, did you have to experience that? Like, I don't, like where your parents like try to confuse kind of confuse like why are you taking this route instead of like you work oh, yeah. so like, hard in school yeah like i mean going to school for engineering um my parents my whole life had kind of you know having african parents like my whole life it was like kind of lawyer doctor engineer mm -hmm. like that was kind of the yeah, like that's that was the only options mm -hmm. you know and um and you know it was a dream i bought into as well of just like oh yeah you know i gotta do that i'm gonna make you know all yeah. this money i'm gonna make six figures like yeah, that's yeah, like you know like that's, the whole, that's the goal yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly um so it's like yeah growing up like that's kind of what i got into my head and then i went to school for engineering and it was a um how do i put it it was an up and down experience kind of getting my parents on board with my vision of things because it was like my when I started my first company, it was like, I was probably three months into my freshman year. And, mm -hmm. you know, I'm trying to explain to my parents this idea. And then like, you know, when you tell them like, oh, I've got this, like it's shirts that light up. They're like, come on. Now. Like, oh, come on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like focus on your school. That's, yeah. That's nothing. <laughs> exactly. You know? And, um, and it was just one of those things that was like, it was a really hard process of getting my parents on board to some of that just because you know, it's a, it's really a different way of thinking, you know, about kind of like where your career can go, as opposed to like, I'm going to focus solely on become an engineer, get an engineering job and work the next 40 years for yeah. some engineering company and just be that work, thing. Work, 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 work. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. So it was just, it was a tough conversation, but I think my parents became more open to some of it as like, um, you know, as I started getting like job offers and like my even some of my internships and stuff and even like with my companies and stuff that I was starting at the time I think it started to expose my parents more to like what my, my startups weren't just like this hobby thing it was more like you know a real thing that was happening in terms of like you know we started out we were just selling them online and then eventually we were able to open up like some kiosk locations so like we have those stores at the mall, like the mm -hmm. guys who are trying to, you know. Yeah, <laughs> don't go to you, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so it was just like, it was one of those things that like, you know, it started to build more though. Like we had the online store and then eventually we, um, we opened up a location at Katie Mills Mall um, and we had like our little kiosk there and then we were still going to school at the time too. So like I was going to school and then- You would I had, drive like, all the way, would you drive all the way to Katie Mills? Um, so I would, I, I would come down during like big breaks. So like we set the store up like during like, I think it was like a Christmas Winter break. break. Okay. Yeah. Like 2011, I think we set up that store. And then um, like, it was pretty much in that like three week period, we had to get the store set up 
get some people to work at the store and hire someone to manage it while we were still in school. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> so I, I did all that, got it set up and I'm working at the store kind of getting things going. And then I had to go back to school. And it's like, I think that was the first time my parents saw it as something a little more tangible in terms yeah. of like what yeah. this kind of technology thing could be from like a business aspect and whatnot. Um, and then eventually we opened up a store in Lubbock and then probably um, one of the one of the um, craziest kind of um, conflicting moments that I had as I was going on that journey of like getting into the tech space and explaining it to my parents. So summer like 2012 or 2013, I think. Um, so going up into that summer, like that spring semester, um, we had started pitching our company to investors and like trying to raise capital because we we're trying to grow the company and blah, 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 and like mm -hmm. get better manufacturing, all this kind of stuff. So we start pitching the company to investors. Um, they had an opportunity through Texas Tech for us to meet some, um, essentially there's like a group of investors. Some of their kids had gone to tech and they wanted to get more involved investing. And truth is like all of these investors nowadays are hoping they can go to a bunch of universities, find a Mark Zuckerberg. Find a, and, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Yes, exactly. Um, so we were going through that process. So we got this deal signed with this investor in the spring. So like probably like spring break and going up to that, like the fall semester um, before that somewhere like around like November or so I had just accepted an internship for the next summer. So like, I'm like originally like, okay, summer 2013, I'm supposed to have this internship, but then by spring break before then I, um, I get this deal with this investor. So going into that summer, it was like, well, he's investing because he thinks we're going to be working on the company, mm -hmm. not like spend the summer like at some internship for some yeah. corporation. So then um, my parents, you know, they're thinking he's got an internship. This means he'll graduate with the job. Everything is locked <laughs> in. And um, yeah. I, I'm not super proud of how I handled it, but it was kind of like last minute, like I canceled my internship, like, like, the internship's supposed to start like May 30th or something. And like probably like April 30th or like May 1st, I was like, I'm not going to be able to make yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And they're like scrambling, trying to find someone. Yeah, 100%. exactly. And yeah. Um, my parents were freaking out and they're like, what are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And so it was just, that was one of the biggest hurdles. And it also was a learning experience for me because it's one of those things I learned, like don't change anything until you get the check. Um, so we had signed this deal with this investor and there was still some legal paperwork that's supposed to go through and we were thinking it's going to be a few weeks, we get the check and we're going to be ready to like, going. yeah, exactly. And, um, of course, you know, so May comes around, the check still hasn't arrived yet, but we're like, you know, we're good. I had already just canceled my internship. So I'm like, I'm a yeah. really, you ready know what I mean? Yeah. I'll go. Um, Let's go. Yeah, exactly. And, um, so June comes around. And then we still haven't gotten the check. I'm talking to his assistant. They're like the legal paperwork's coming through. They're sending us contract. And we're like, you know, we're broke college students. So we didn't even have really a lawyer. Like to be honest, not the right way to have handled things. We were just like reading the contracts in the library. And like, we're like, Trying, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we were just like going back and forth. And then um, I used to work on campus like as just like my thing to have some money and then for the summer where I was working wasn't open. So then now I'm like, I don't have an internship to get paid. I don't have my campus job and the investment check hasn't come through. So I had to get a job at like some local restaurants and stuff, just trying to make it through the summer in Lubbock. And then like all the while my parents are definitely like, 
on my ass like i definitely yeah you know yeah, like yeah. see your life like you know see your like, life, <laughs> you know? see your life. <laughs> that's like that african parents one on one just like yeah see your life so um so yeah man it was just it was one of those things like just i learned a lot in that experience cuz it was like we didn't end up getting our check until like um probably like late july we finally got our check and um, and that was like a whole learning experience, but that whole process of going through that and then going through the ups and downs of my companies was kind of a, it forced the conversation to happen with my parents pretty mm -hmm. early on around like, yes, I'm doing my like engineering stuff, but realistically, I'm probably not going to yeah. a traditional engineering route. And um, and it was, it was a tough thing, but as some of it started to materialize, I think it became more real for them. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah. Man. And... So you're, you're currently, well, not, not currently, but you're, you're in Dallas and you're, you're experiencing a new city yeah. for the, for the second time and yeah. you're, you're, you're growing with a company. Like, was your thought process that, Hey, I'm going to stick with this company for, to the wheels, like to the wheels fall off or like, was <laughs> your, or your mind like, okay, well, this is just a, a stepping stone to a wheel where I really want to go to. Yeah, man. Like it, it um, it's, it's definitely the latter um, of the two. Um, it was something where I came into it knowing like, this is going to give me an opportunity to learn. I'll be able to do some things here, but this is not like, this is not the forever place for me. And mm -hmm. no disrespect to Saber. They were a great company, had a really good experience there. But I knew that like, if I wanted to get to where I wanted to go, I was going to have to move at a faster pace for my mm -hmm. career. And it's like, I think, there's nothing wrong. I, I definitely don't want anyone to feel like staying the course at a company is bad by any means. But I think probably one of the biggest things for me that I realized in my career is like the faster I can gain skills and experience, the faster I can like get promoted and get to the mm -hmm. places that I want to go. So it was something I came into it knowing like I'm going to put in a couple of years here and then try to take my next big jump and the next big jump. And um I was fortunate along the way, like I, I made some really good contacts with some fantastic people and it just kind of opened up some doors. Like I had a kind of a crazy back-to-back -back set of like jumps, but it was like, I was, I was at Sabre, did like a couple years there. And then towards like the end of those two years there, um, I, I kind of was just kind of seeing what happens and every now and then like I get hit up on LinkedIn and stuff. And then, uh, um, they, they are goons only. Yeah. Like, they are, <laughs> they they, once they see down. someone who, who meets their skills, like your, your, your LinkedIn inbox, it just, and that's, that's Bloody, a pro tip. That's yeah. a pro tip for people. Facts. If you want to get, get your job situation, right. Like you should honestly just get your LinkedIn set up, fill out all the information connect they with a bunch of people yeah. and the jobs will just start coming in. They come to you, dude. Exactly. Yeah. It's facts. So like, um, yeah, man. So I was like at Saber went well, then an opportunity came up, um, for me to do a product management role at Allstate. So, um, so if you've seen those commercials, get an accident, you can take a picture of your accident instead of like filing a claim and all that. Um, and just doing everything through the mobile app. Um, they were recruiting me to come on and work on that team and help lead um, a couple new apps um, for Allstate. And they had that, like their main app. They also had a really cool new app that I helped to launch and scale um, called MileWise, which is um, essentially like a pay by the mile insurance. So the more you drive, the more you pay. But if you don't drive that often, like right now in a pandemic, your insurance would be super cheap. 
Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I got recruited for that and then um, went there and it was a cool situation. So um, Allstate's headquarters is in Chicago, but their main office though, um, that they were trying to open up um, in Texas was gonna be in Dallas. So they had a small office, they were trying to expand it and they were like, hey, we want you to be a part of this office that we're growing in Dallas, um, help us grow the team there and stuff. So that helped me to take really kind of a jump that probably would have taken me maybe four years of being mm -hmm. at Sabre it helped me to take that jump after two years. So like jumped in there at Allstate, um, got really involved there. And then over the course of that year, things were going really well. And then I started working on another project then, um, kind of like, I always have like a little side hustle thing that I'm always, working on. Always, always. Uh, and then I had started um, on the side, I was working on kind of a new startup thing that I had been doing. Um, always kind of have like a little project on the side. And, um, and it was called resumemakers.com which was essentially like a, um, a AI for your resume. So you could just chat with it. It would ask you a few questions and it would essentially just make your resume for you. Um, wow. yeah, yeah. So it was like my first kind of big kind of startup thing out of college. And, um, so I'd been working on that and then just kind of through the grapevine of people, I was kind of just that were hearing about it. It opened up some more opportunities and then, um, Kind of long story short, from there went on to um, to work for another company called Bottle Rocket, which is a really dope uh, mobile app company in Dallas. Um, they helped make Chick Fil A's app, Southwest Airlines mobile app, um, and then got recruited to go over there. Um, so then it kind of just helped me take another jump in my career yeah. um, into kind of like a senior role, and then being there for a while, things were going well, and um, and then. Google, um, it's funny, so it's actually a funny story. Um, so I was at Bottle Rocket, things are going really well. I was in a senior role there. And then um, we went out to San Francisco for a conference, this like product management conference. I remember, see, I remember that, <laughs> I remember seeing that. Yeah, I, so I, I just had like my own type at that same time. Like it was like, like a tech, like I would say like vendor fair mm -hmm. type, yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, so it was like a, it was a cool moment just going out to the Bay Area, got to check out a bunch of stuff there. I was there for this conference. And then um, while I was there, um, funny enough, like I had, they had like a happy hour kind of event thing. And I met some people from Google while I was there. And it's like being in the Bay Area, there's a ton of like, you know, people who work at Facebook, people who yeah. work at Google, people who work at Apple, all that kind of stuff. And um, so I was just chopping it up with different people and stuff. And then um made some really good um, relationships there. And then kind of going back to one of the things we mentioned before. So I get back to, to Dallas, everything's normal and stuff. I didn't really hit up any of those people like, oh, hey, can, can you open something up? But um, going back to one of the things we mentioned before, LinkedIn, um, I, all of a sudden this is like, and it's so funny, it's hard to kind of believe, but it's like literally like within maybe two or three weeks of me going out there for that conference, I get a message from a recruiter from Google like, hey, would you be interested in opportunities at Google? And I'm like, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and yeah, man. So like things kind of took off from there. Um, Google's interview process definitely lives up to the hype. If anyone's seen those videos, uh, that movie, um, the internship where yeah, yeah, um, yeah. they're trying to get a job at Google and stuff. It definitely lives up to that, and um, and yeah, it was kind of a crazy last few months of, of uh, 2019, and um, it kind of from there, I obviously I accepted the role at Google, and then um, kind of 
during like Thanksgiving time period, I had to like find an apartment out here and just all that and try and get, get moved out here. So it was, it was a crazy period, but um, that was kind of the career journey there. If you yeah, will. that's crazy. And I mean, that's, that's dope though, because I'll, for the grand scheme of things, the purpose of the whole podcast is just like ex- inspiring people to, to do things. Yeah. And even though it's not like you, I mean, you did create a lot of stuff, but in terms of your career path, like not being afraid to move from place to place with, yeah. the, with the end goal still in mind of, okay, I want something better. And yeah. I know that me taking these steps, eventually I'm going to get to where I need to go. Exactly. And, and it, putting yourself out there is, is a major key of that. Like, yeah, 100%. Like 100% agree with that. I, I think, you know, I think for a lot of people, there's kind of a traditional mindset of like, hey, you need to stay here for five years and then you get the next role for another five years. And mm-hmm. there's definitely nothing wrong with like getting that tenure in a role. But if anyone wants to like accelerate their path in the corporate world, the reality is that like, for a large corporation, there's there's one CEO, there's X number of VPs, and um, you know there's X number of like mid-level managers, Y number of employees. And the reality is like if you're an individual contributor, the odds of you being in a role and then just getting promoted from blah 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 role to manager to director to vice president to president, it's I mean it's, it's incredibly yeah. unlikely. Yeah, like yeah. and what happens a lot, like I remember when I first got out of school and I was at Sabre, I mean, I knew some really awesome people there, but it's like, I saw some people there that were like, oh man, how long have you been here? I've been here 15 years. And I'm like, you're like one level above me, like just keeping yeah, it real. Yeah, you know? yeah, and yeah. It's not to knock it at all, but it, it's one of those things like, if you want to accelerate your career, a lot of times the best way, in my opinion, to accelerate your career is spend time at a company, get the value, the skills, the experiences, and then odds are another company will likely be willing to promote you faster than your own company will. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I've seen, you know, I've gone on to other companies, gotten into a a leadership role there and recruiters from my old company would hit me up now, like, hey, would you like to come back and work for us in that kind of leadership role? Yeah, yeah. And if I would have stayed, that jump would never happen. Yeah, that, that, I guess that spotlight or that them noticing that you do have yeah. that talent to do that. Exactly. Would never, would never being put to the light. So 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel like to, to your exact point, when you're in your role, if someone hires you, let's just say like, you know, you're a cashier, no one's ever going to think, Oh, this guy could be a store manager when all they're seeing you do is be a cashier. cashier and yeah. you know, and a lot of times it's hard for someone to envision that you have those skills to be some kind of, you know, manager or something like that. When all they see you do is, Hey, you come in every day, you're a cashier. You just, you do this one thing, you know? And a lot of times you have to go out, get those other experiences and prove it to people at another company for, for people to believe that you have those abilities. hundred percent. hundred percent. That's, it's amazing. And so that's your career, but I also know that you have, you, you you started off a lot of side hustles, but yeah. you also have like your hobbies, and I want to touch on those in terms in terms of you like having your own basketball team, AAU basketball team that you you teach, 
in Dallas. <laughs> I don't know if you do that now, still in, in Cali, but yeah. in Dallas, I, I always enjoyed watching those. Yeah, like, yeah. How did you get started with with that? Yeah, so that's um, that's a good question. So um, back when I was in Dallas. Um, my my fiance Victoria, her um, like I mentioned before, her family lives in the Dallas area, and um, a couple of her brothers were looking to play basketball. Um, particularly, her eldest brother, um, he was looking to to play basketball at one of the. Uh, we have a place in in the Frisco area called the Frisco Fieldhouse. It's like one of those big facilities, like. 20 basketball courts you know like mm-hmm, something like that mm-hmm. and um so he wanted to play a bunch of his friends wanted to play basketball um so they went they signed up and stuff and then i was over at her family's house on like a you know some sunday or something like that and then they get a call and they're like hey um you know we see that um that your son paul is signed up to play but their team doesn't have a coach yet so then um they're like if y'all don't get a coach sometime soon we're gonna have to essentially like cancel y'all's team so then I was there. I was like, I could coach y'all's team. Like, yeah, you know, like, yeah, you know, like yeah. I'm not like, you know, Coach K or anything. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, could coach, I could coach a middle school <laughs> basketball team. And, um, and yeah, man, so it, it, it got started like that where, um, you know, I, I came into it like, you know, like I could coach this team and stuff and then um, had to get jerseys for them and gear mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. And like um, there were a certain number of kids that like I knew those kids, like her brother and like, you know, his two or three friends. But what happens when you sign up for like a, you know, a league and you don't have enough kids, they just put a bunch of random bunch of- kids on yeah. the roster. Yeah. So that first season, like, (laughs) like, um, you know, shout out to all the kids. I love the kids. I've had so many awesome kids, but we didn't necessarily have the most talented team the very first season. Um, You know, so it was like I got to this first practice and, you know, um, I'm meeting all the kids and their parents. And there's some kids that were like, you know, I was like, I don't even know how good any of these kids are. And I had like, you know, I had a game plan of like, okay, here are some plays I'm gonna try and teach them. Our first game is in like a week and a half. So let me just try and like see what kind of talent well, they yeah, have. Yeah. You know? yeah. So like, I'm like, all right, let's start some layup drills. Just give me, give me some basic layup drills. Cause like, I was like, does everybody here know what a three man weave is? And then some people said yes. Some people said no. So I was like, all right. Like, yeah. Let me just see. Can we get some right hand layups? Just <laughs> right hand layups. Let's start with some left hand. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, man. So like, I'm watching it, trying to see. Okay, this guy seems like he could play a little bit. He's got a jump shot. This guy's never played before. Like, um, <laughs> funny, funny story. Um, we had a kid on the team where um, his dad comes up to me, and his dad's like, um, he was like, you know my son's never really played basketball before. I don't know a lot about basketball. And I was like, it's all good. You know, we can work it out and stuff. Um, you know, we can develop it. And he was like, so how many people, like it's five or six guys on the quarter one time. And I was like, you know, it's five. It's so, five. Yeah, it's five. <laughs> I'm about to teach you too. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was like, I guess everybody's going to learn out here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, it was, it was just kind of a funny thing, um, you know, in that moment, but um, really cool people, a lot of cool parents and kids. And it, it was one of those things where that first season, I had a, a wide kind of range between players who had clearly played, like, you know, they played Little League and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They've been playing basketball for a while. And then I had some kids who, like, this is the first time, like, they had, like, they picked played. Up a ball. Yeah, like, legit. Yeah. So um, that first season, like, it was just rough. Like, it wasn't even tournaments. It was no, like, it was just – let's just try and make it through these like eight to 10 games that we have on the schedule. And I think we won maybe like 
two out of those first like <laughs> eight or ten games, and it was it was real rough. And then um, on the flip side, though, so like um, Victoria's younger brother, um, Maddie, he um, he had a team that he had just joined as well, and um, and his team, unfortunately, they they didn't win any games that that season, and um, so him and all his friends were like, "Can you just coach our team as well?" So like. I was like, I mean, I could, I could try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm like, my first season, I, I coach one team, um, you know, and it's like a, an eighth grade team. And then the other team um, comes in that summer. And um, so now it's like, I've got an eighth grade team and a seventh grade team to coach now. And this time going into the summer, it was a little different. because I was like, okay, now we need to go out and get talent. And this is yeah. where I, I legit felt like one of those, like, you know, like college coach. I was college like, I coach recruit. recruit. Yeah. <laughs> like legit. Like I'm, no joke. I used to go. So they have a Frisco athletic center um, out there. And it's like, uh, it's like one of the local um, gyms and stuff where anyone who's like a Frisco is like a, like a, a little suburb of Dallas, like Katie or Cypress and stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, if you're a taxpayer in Frisco, like, you know, you have access to this athletic center. So it's got like two or three basketball courts, blah, blah. So I'd go up there with the kids and I was just straight up recruiting, like <laughs> just like spotting out every kid. I'm like, Hey, how old are you? And it's like, Oh, you're 15. You ever play, you ever play basketball in a league before? You want to join a team? And, um, and I was just legit recruiting. I was telling the kids, like, anyone you know from school that can hoop, like, and that really was how we got the team going. And mm-hmm. the next season, it was really kind of night and day from that first season because it was like we finally got talented players. Like, so, and not it's to a say, little giant shit right there. That's a little yeah, giant. Because <laughs> you know, like, it's – it really is like that. Like, yeah, it's not yeah. to say you can't coach players up. Like, we definitely, like, developed our players. We became known as a team that had just killer defense, and it opened up a lot for us on offense. But it was definitely, like, having players who had played basketball some before, knew the game a little bit, it helped a lot. And things kind of took off from there, man. Like, um, the teams just started winning. We started getting better players. We started playing in tournaments. Um, you know, as we succeeded – parents and their kids would start coming to us coming and up. stuff yeah uh, so it, it just it kind of took off and it was just it was a really fun time period of like you need a 30 for 30 that's yeah, a, man. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's an amazing story right there yeah, man. And, and it was dope man like it's crazy because it's like you know i started coaching these kids in middle school pretty much like right after i had moved to dallas you know um and these kids were in middle school at the time and it's so crazy because like um Victoria's um, eldest brother, Paul, um, you know, I had been coaching him up until like, you know, last year, really. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's crazy because now he's, he graduated, he's graduating. Well, he graduated high school this year. So wow. it's just crazy to think That's about. That's crazy. And, um, from eighth yeah, grade. From, yeah, from eighth grade. And like now, like he's graduated high school and he's going to college this fall. And it's just, it's a crazy journey. And like, that was probably one of the most rewarding parts of it is like, I got to see these kids grow up and it's like, you know, they were in middle school, kind of the same time I started my basketball journey mm-hmm. was in middle school, you know? So just seeing them grow up and getting the chance to coach and be a part of it. And like, it's crazy. Cause it's so, you get so connected with the kids. We had kids who moved away, their parents got a job in another state, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. it's just all those kind of things of just, and every kid's in a different place in their life, different, um, different opportunities and whatnot. So it was just, it was an awesome thing. It's one of those things that, um, you know, I'm fortunate I don't get necessarily a chance to do that out here in California. Um, I've been out here that long, um, so who knows, but um, obviously coming out here and then now, like, there's a pandemic, a lot yeah. of those kind of things um, can't necessarily happen <laughs> yeah. just yet. Yeah. Definitely, definitely, man. That's a great, 
it's a great like thing to like have. But I know I've done I've done mentorship. I know were, were you a pal in high school? Um, I actually didn't get to do pals in high school, man. That was one of the things that I regret that I didn't get to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. And so when I when I went to college, I I did some uh, mentorship for like some kids in, in in like the worst part of Houston, Sunnyside, yeah. like the Fifth yeah. Ward. And we would go over there and like we would like help them tutor them in like whatever subject, which was pretty much history because I don't know how to do any math, but like. <laughs> History and English is like okay because that's that's pretty much my my major. So we would do that and like yeah. talk to them and like seeing them go through their day and like it's 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 rewarding and that's something like I, I feel like I want to pick back up again. Yeah. Um, and hearing your story, just like damn, I want to we go coach somebody. But like you, you know, like you know, so like that's 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 really dope, man. And and I applaud yeah. you for that. No, I appreciate um, it, man. And and I highly encourage, if you're thinking about it, like, mm-hmm. you would be surprised how, like, it's one of those things, if you, you imagine in your head, like, you know, like, I'm not, like, an expert or anything like that. But for those kids, it's, like, you're probably the most talented person that yeah. has ever, like, invested time in them like that, you know? So it's, like, it could be something that, that makes a huge difference, for sure. It's facts. Yeah, that's uh, true. And um, I wanted to speak on, I know on IG recently, you've done a lot of... <laughs> discussions on stocks how did you get yeah. into the stock game and it, it and it's because that you have a tesla that you're in the <laughs> stock game <laughs> yeah man um so so yeah it, it was kind of a, a natural transition as i was doing a lot of my startup stuff like you know you kind of get involved in like um you get a perspective on like investors and investing and like you know kind of early stage investing all the way through more mature investing in the stock market and whatnot so i gotten some exposure to it just from like all the startup stuff and then um kind of down the line within the past like kind of like year or two i've really gotten more interested in investing and then um really one of the big things is like so last year um I, i bought a tesla like um and i just I've become a huge proponent of Tesla. Like, um, yes, you have. You know? yes. <laughs> like it's one of those things, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a fantastic vehicle. I'm, I'm a big believer that we are going to move to a future where um, electric vehicles will not just, it won't even be electric vehicles. It'll just be vehicles. Like mm-hmm. everyone will have an electric car. Um, so I've been a big believer of that even before I got my Tesla. And then when I got my Tesla, one of the things that I, I feel like I kind of realized once I got it is there's so many features in a Tesla that it's just now I'm like, why does not like, why doesn't every car already have that in a sense? And um, they really treat your car like, like your smartphone. Like I get updates every month, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had a really great experience with that. And then it kind of, you know, as the opportunities came up to start investing in Tesla, it really became something where I was like, I wish I honestly started investing earlier, but Early, once I yeah. owned a Tesla, I was like, this is the future. Like, this is, this is it. And, um, and kind of, you know, it just became a thing where I was investing more and more. And then um, as the pandemic occurred, it created a dip in the market that I look at as something that's like, you know, it is definitely unfortunate in many ways. Like I, by no means do I want to, um, to glorify the pandemic at all. But um, at the end of the day, like in this pandemic, in any crisis, in any kind of world event, there are going to be people who find the way to kind of take advantage of it in a positive way, you know, and like find the right opportunities for themselves. And I looked at it as like, you know, Warren Buffett has a saying, it's like, 
um, be fearful when everyone is greedy and be greedy when everyone is fearful. fearful. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, and as the pandemic happened, everyone became really fearful of like, you know, Stop. people were pulling their money out of the market, going crazy. Yeah. And I was like, my perspective on it was like, um, one, I already had some stocks that I own. And then two, I was like, I look at it simply like this. Like if, if the pandemic is this end of the world event, it won't really matter if I lose my money anyways, yeah. because if it's an apocalypse, yeah. who cares? Like, you don't need yeah. money, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And it's like, realistically though, this is going to be a dip and then the market will just go back to normal. Exactly. exactly. So it's like buy low, sell high. So I just looked at it as like, what are the companies I believe in? And a lot of people, um, a lot of people you'll hear when they talk about stocks will say, you need diversification. You need to own a bunch of different stocks because you don't want all your eggs in one basket. And I don't know, I'm a big believer, like that's bullshit. Like um, yeah, yeah. Mark, <laughs> Mark Cuban has like a thing that he says, he's like diversification is for idiots. And, um, and that sounds harsh, but what he really is saying is like, if you went to Vegas and you were playing roulette and someone yeah, told exactly. you 99% yeah. of the time, it's going to land on 26 black. Why would you put your money on other things if you knew with confidence that 26 black is what it was going to hit? And it's like the only reason that people diversify is because they don't know don't whether know. 26 yeah. black is going to hit. They're going to put their money in a bunch of different places and hope it hits one of those. And that's kind of the, essentially the spray and pray technique mm -hmm. for investing. Um, and in a pandemic and especially in a potential recession, the strategy is you want to put all your money in companies that you believe are winners. So what I did is I consolidated um, all of my investments. I essentially, I sold everything that I didn't believe in. Anything that I thought could be a loser, I was like, just fuck it, take all my yeah, money out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just put all my money into the stocks that I think really matter. And um, those are one, I mean, I work at Google. Um, so like I have, a, I have a stock plan already with Google, but I'm, I'm a big believer in Google. I don't think the pandemic or any kind of world event is really going to affect Google's business that much. So um, continue to hold and invest in Google. Um, the other one that I invested in that actually became a new investment as a result of the pandemic um, is Live Nation. So Live Nation, they own Ticketmaster. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people are like, eh, like, why would you invest in that? The, like, you know, there's not going to be concerts or anything. And I was like, that's the exact reason why I'm going to invest is that it made the stock price drop. Mm -hmm. And then you think about it, the moment we get back to any sense of normalcy, how many people do you think when they say you don't have to social distance anymore, there's a vaccine, COVID, whatever, like the pandemic's over, how many people do you think are going to go to concerts, football games? I mean, any live event. All, everyone. Everyone. Like, it's going to be going like crazy. So yeah. why not right now go buy a bunch of that stock while it's cheap, wait a year, maybe a two years even. And when everyone's going back to football games, basketball games, concerts, the stock's going to shoot through the roof and I'm going to sell and cash out. So, yeah. so Live Nation <laughs> is one that I bought a bunch into. Um, and then um, two stocks that really make up the largest part of my portfolio, like the majority of my portfolio like it sounds crazy but this is kind of like like i said i'm not a big believer in a bunch of diversification so one of my stocks is square so square uh, most people know it either you've used um if you go to a small business you've seen those little credit card readers mm -hmm. that people can plug in their phone or like they have a lot of the touch screens nowadays so that's half of square's business the other half of square's business that most people like us know is cash app 
Mm-hmm. So Square owns Cash App. And really what people don't see today that is the future of what Square is building is if they've got all the credit card processors, all the businesses using Square for their checkout system, and everyone is using Cash App for personal, personal exchanging quit. money. Yeah, yeah. What they're trying to do is get to an ecosystem in the future where everyone is not using credit cards, cash, or, or cash. Even yeah. a bank account. Everything will exist in these digital um, wallets where you'll essentially take your cash app and that's where your paycheck will go to. And people right now are going to be like, there's no way I would do that. Well, Square earlier this year just got approval for a bank license. So they're going to have their own, they're approved to be able to, to, um, to provide loans and a number of different things. They already provide loans to businesses. So then now if you get to a point where you can pay every bill that you have through Square, you can pay your friends through Square why would I then, if I never use my bank account for it, because if you think about it, like a bunch of banks have like, oh, you can use Chase Pay and yeah, um, Zelle. Zelle. Yeah. But the truth is, if I'm using Cash App, why would I then get my money in my bank account and then go to Cash App and then pay then, people? Mm-hmm. Why would I not just have my money go straight to Cash App? And it's like, it sounds far-fetched right now, but it really is the future and they're, they're building in a bunch of things there. So, I figured that would happen when once they started with their own debit credit card mm-hmm. they, they have their own account number on there and i was just like okay yeah they're 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 thinking ahead because exactly people people use it it's like their own your own pay your pay i guess pay what would you call it it's kind of like a, like a gift card you know the pay yeah. you put you put the money on the card and yeah, then like you prepaid. use it prepaid there we go that's what yeah, yeah. it's it's the prepaid card and like yeah. I was thinking, I was like, okay, they're already doing that. Okay, so they're already thinking ahead of other people. I mean, because exactly, I don't see Venmo. I mean, Venmo probably has it, but they're already late to that. Yeah, and I just yeah. So your whole idea of, of the Cash App, which I already knew when they first came out, like in was it 2010, 2011? something when like you, that. Yeah, something. It was super early, but like compared to to Venmo, I looked at their platform and it looked a lot better. And yeah. it just looked more more friendlier to to use. Yep. And so it, I I saw it taken off like it like it has, and now it's they're on Twitter, like they're yeah. they're they're so visible. Yeah, it's everywhere. And I mean, even just the name Cash App is Cash a great. App, yeah. It's a great name. It's, it's, like, yeah. it's a great fucking name. Um, but yeah, man, like that. You're you're spot on there. And like it, it's really something that I, I'm a big believer in. Um, and one of the things that's helped Cash App grow, like Cash App's user base is like two times or three times the size of Venmo's user base. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they did really well is they targeted what's called the unbanked. So a lot of people who still um, who do a lot of cash transactions, um, a lot of people who um, who don't necessarily have the traditional bank model, they targeted a lot of those people. So it made it to where they were able to grow super fast. So that's one that I'm a big investor in. Um, but my number one investment, the <laughs> like literally at this point, it is probably like 90% of my portfolio. Um, mm. So like the majority of my money, like my entire net worth is effectively in Tesla. <laughs> um, so I'm a huge proponent of Tesla. Um, you know, a lot of people, I think, they confuse Tesla to be a car company. And the reality is that Tesla is a technology and an energy company, and they just happen to make cars. Mm-hmm. And you know, when you look at it, Tesla is now the most valuable like 
car company in the world. Their, their total market cap, the total value of Tesla is higher than Toyota, Ford, Mercedes-Benz, um, Volkswagen. So, it, and that doesn't come from like, oh, and a lot of people are always like, well, they don't sell as many cars as those companies do. But it's like, it's, it's one of those things, the thing that people are missing is that we're at what's called a critical inflection point where Apple was coming into the cell phone market in 2008. And most people at the time were like, well, Motorola sells more phones, mm -hmm. Blackberry mm -hmm. sells more phones. Apple is just gonna have some fun luxury product that some people are gonna use, but it's not really gonna be big. That's what people look at right now when they see Tesla and they're not realizing Tesla is having an iPhone moment with their vehicles. To put it in perspective, during this pandemic, okay, during Q2 of this year, 2020, this is like the most down part of the sales that anyone's going to experience via the pandemic. Facts, yes. Ford down 30% in sales. Um, Toyota was down like 35% or something like that. And Tesla was only down 5%. And like, even on being down 5%, to put that in perspective, their main factory, their main factory was closed for half of that quarter. So they weren't even like Ford and Toyota got to produce cars sooner than Tesla got to because they had to go through this legal battle to get their factory open again. So you can only imagine how many cars they would have delivered if their factory was open the whole time. And one of the things that people don't realize is just, or they're not aware of is the way that the world has transitioned even from a legal standpoint. So France, Japan, a number of major countries have already said by 2030, they're not even gonna allow companies to sell non-electric cars in their country. So it's like, imagine a future where it's like, if countries are already saying, you can't yeah. sell cars here that are the traditional internal combustion engine, who's in a position to win? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, Tesla's 2012 Model S has more range than what Ford and Volkswagen are putting out in 2020. Like that, I mean, they had an eight year, eight year lead on that. <laughs> and that doesn't even get into like their self-driving technology. So mm -hmm. I, I'm a big believer that it's like, it's going to be kind of a game over thing. And like in the very near future, what Apple has done with the iPhone um, and just kind of taken over the, from a, at least the US market standpoint, um, in terms of being the number one, number one phone, it's going to be a very similar thing for Tesla, but on a global stage. Feel that that's that's yeah. some knowledge for you guys right there you're <laughs> still with us that's some knowledge yeah. right there so yeah that's amazing and well about to wrap up this whole uh amazing conversation but before yeah, we man. do i want to know what's in your future that you're planning on and one great piece of advice you want to leave with my listeners yeah, man. Um, things that I have coming up um, um, right now, um, Google's been really good to me. A lot of good things happening at Google. So working on some big projects here, some things I can't necessarily talk about just yet. But um, I, I always have some side projects coming up. Uh, things that I can't necessarily share, but I'll, I'll definitely make sure that once things are kind of there for it, um, I'll, I'll let you be able to kind of put that link out there for this episode. Um, but yeah, just um, working on some side projects and kind of keeping the hustle going. But probably the, the biggest thing I would tell any of your listeners is for whatever it is that you want to do in your life, wherever you want to go, don't wait for tomorrow to start that thing. Don't 
you know, tell yourself that you're, you know, you're not ready yet. A lot of what people experience is this idea of imposter syndrome, where you feel like you're not necessarily the person you need to be to be able to do that thing that you imagine you should do. And the sooner you start pursuing your dreams and the sooner you stay like consistent and disciplined on making those things happen, the, the faster you'll get there. And um, I think I've been fortunate to have the opportunity to just kind of pursue a lot of things. And it's, um, it's helped my, my career and my, my goals kind of accelerate quickly. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, <laughs> I'm with that. Yeah, man. Uh, man, I'm, I'm glad that you took the time to you know join me on my podcast and and this was definitely a great one full of great nuggets for my listeners i think they'll rewind this back and like damn <laughs> that was nice and, um, <laughs> for sure and um if you have any like a social media you want people to follow you on or yeah, yeah. You, to promote? Um, you can follow me on pretty much every platform it's at reach Raphael. So R E A C H R A P H A E L um, reach Raphael, Twitter, Instagram, pretty much um, anywhere. Um, and if you ever want to email me, um, it's the same thing, reachraphael at gmail.com. That's kind of the, the simplest way to get a hold of me. Um, it's one of those things I came up with a while back. People are like, well, how do we reach you? And it's just kind of, Reach Raphael. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. And for me, don't don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, sure. uh, share, do everything to, to get this thing popping. Cause I'm gonna give you some more gems like today. Yeah. And uh we're not stopping anytime soon. So Thank you. if you're if if you last this long, I appreciate it. And uh, definitely tune in next week with uh, another great episode. Appreciate it. For sure. Thanks, man. Thank you, man.